to Indiness, a podcast celebrating independent, creative small businesses. I'm Emma Rosen, indie author, and I write non-fiction and children's books. Coming up in today's interview, I'll be talking to fellow indie author Jude Lennon about the multitude of things that she's involved in. But first, I'll update you on what I've been up to this month. Well, firstly, this episode is being released slightly later than I'd anticipated because it's been somewhat busy. (laughs) There's been such a lot to do with Secret Seagrass Meadows, my new book project. I've been furiously formatting, trying to get the files completed as soon as I can, because not only is it the end of term, school's already broken up, so the kids will be around and that makes working from home a little more challenging, but also we're in the midst of moving house. As I record this, we're moving tomorrow. So obviously... (laughs) there's a lot going on. Um, I have a tiny bit of work to do on the digitised artwork just to ensure it's a perfect reproduction of Rhiannon Thomas's beautiful watercolours. The files have also just had a final check from the proofreader for this project, Miranda Haynes, so I've been working through her comments on the text. Um, And I've also asked my brother, Dave Sartain, who's a graphic designer, to pass his eye over the cover because something just isn't quite right and I know he'll spot it. I actually think it's my font's choice, um, potentially also the colour palette I've chosen for the fonts on the cover and on the back of the book. I want this book to be as good as possible. Well, of course I always want that, but this was commissioned by Natural England and so there's an extra level of pressure there. Anyway, the hope is to order the proof this week, possibly. (laughs) As I say that, I wrote that down and I'm thinking, I'm moving tomorrow. I don't think that's going to happen. It will be next week. And if all goes well with that and the book doesn't need further work, I'm planning to take August off. Uh, That said, I am facilitating some writing sessions at the Screen South Culture Camps across South East Kent. I did the Folkestone ones this week. Um, But aside from that commitment, I'd really love to just absorb myself into settling into the new house and just enjoying the holidays with the kids. I've worked really intensely for pretty much the last year. Um, Milk and Cookies was really into the depths of the production work this time last year. And then I produced my self-publishing book. And then I went into teaching in schools and I've also been working on the Secret Seagrass Meadows books. So work-wise, life has been very busy. So I just feel a need to slow down. Anyway, on to the interview for this month. Jude Lennon is an author storyteller, literacy advocate, and so much more. She writes children's books mainly, especially her Lammy series, but she's also recently released a novel called Kintsugi. In the interview, we talk about all the things she gets up to and her tips for other creatives. She's hugely involved in her local creative community. So here we go. 
Hi June, it's so lovely to be able to talk today about all the exciting things that you do. Um, we met so randomly, I feel like. I went to work in a school and somebody said, oh, you really must get in touch with Jude. <laughs> and um, I'm just, there's so much that you do. So I'm really excited to talk about it all today. Let's start off with you introducing yourself so everyone can get to know you. Okay, great. Thanks, Emma. Yes, I'm Jude, Jude Lennon. I am a professional storyteller. These are my storytelling mascots, Lammy and Flossie, which is why they're in shot. I'm also an author. Uh, my background was in teaching as well. Um, in fact, that's how our, our uh, joint contact, uh, how I knew, knew him, uh, went to uni with him. So yes, but I'm one of those people, like many people who are creative, I'm an also do you know, I have about 10 different hats that I wear in various formats throughout the week, like lots of people do. So I'm a storyteller. I'm an author. I also run a writing club um, for, for writers who want to have a little bit of accountability, but also develop their writing skills. We have guest speakers. I'm also part of the Liverpool literacy um, cycle as well. We're encouraging um sort of reading, writing and speaking across the city, because obviously communication is just vital for everything. Um, I'm also um, heavily involved in the female forum as well. We have um, sort of quarterly meetings and it's um, an all uh, women panel talking about issues that um, are of importance to them. So our next one's in September and the theme is creativity. So I'm looking forward to that one. Oh, and I'm also involved in so many other things. I can't remember now off the top of my head. <laughs> oh yes, I've also got, a, I've also got a, a community interest company called Split Perspectives and we are going to be delivering lots of gem building workshops over the summer to children. But I think you did a thing on your your Instagram the other day we did a and I also do <laughs> so many things. Um, yeah. So are you ex-primary teacher? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, so is that how you got into writing or how, how did that happen? Yes I suppose it is I mean I was early years early years in key stage one but most of my career was in early years and so like many early years teachers you're constantly making up stories and jingles and poems and just constantly thinking on your feet and so I was writing the whole time that I was teaching at, you know Christmas plays assemblies stories for children just constantly always writing and then one of the head teachers I worked with in London sort of said oh have you thought about getting any of your stuff published and I was like oh oh is that what you meant to do I thought I was just going to collect them in dusty notebooks for the rest of my life I was like, no I really think you should you know look at doing that and, and also we were doing some filming for Roehampton University and the person who came in to film in school, because I was the lucky chosen teacher to be filmed, Joy. <laughs> Always. And, yeah, exactly. And he said as well, so have you thought about getting your work published? And I was like, oh, okay, that's two people. And that was in the same week. Mm -hmm. I thought, okay, this is like a sign. So yeah, so I just started sending stuff off. Um, and as usual, when you send things off, you get either thanks, but no thanks, or just silence, <laughs> whichever, you know. Um, and then I moved back up to London and I entered a writing competition, actually, um, that was on, it was advertised by Jamie Theakston on Takes Two for Strictly. And they wanted people to write about Winnie the Pooh visiting your local area. And I went on to win the regional um, sector of that. So I am the Disney Winnie the Pooh laureate for the northwest of England. <laughs> And because they've never run it again, I guess I can still claim that title. I don't know. I yeah. Love <laughs> and then as, as that sort of happened, um, not long after that, I met somebody who agreed to do my first book. So it, it was kind of a, a, maybe not a normal way into it, but it was just kind of, yeah, it just all kind of slotted into, into place, really. So and then I, I left teaching um, before the first book came out. So, yeah. 
<laughs> I find that really good as, a, as a secondary school teacher um, and a lot of people assume that I probably teach English which I don't I teach biology um, so if, I, although I still have that sense of communicating ideas it's not sort of to the scale you are I know in primary it's just that sort of constant imagination and creativity um, that's really exciting so Tell me about your books. I can see, obviously, podcast um, <laughs> listeners won't be able to see it, but I'm going to put some highlights um, on YouTube as well. But yeah, I can see all of your books behind you. So yeah, yeah, I've got some of them behind me. So um, yeah, the very first one was the Dragon of Alice Oak, which was inspired by um, an oak tree in the park around the corner from here, which um, has got a sign saying it's a thousand years old. We're a bit skeptical about that. We personally, Liverpool, we think it's probably about 700, 800 years old. I walked past it one day and thought, oh dragons done that as you do <laughs> um, but by far and away most of my children's books feature the storytelling mascots um lammy and flossy so they've been to space we've got um pirates we've got a camper van one which is based on our camper van um so lamelot so knights and dragons and Floga with flossy which is flossy's version of yoga what else? <laughs> um but then of course um i've also done chapter books as well um middle grade chapter books but they've all been collaborative with um other people and that's been really great I, I do like collaborating with people I think it's a lovely way to work and then more recently um obviously my novel The Grown Ups by Kintsugi which I really is, um, love it. it's beautiful yeah. thank yeah, you that's yeah. I very much <laughs> uh, yeah so yes yeah, so it's um it's been quite a quite a whirlwind <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet. And you're, I'm interested in your Howl books as well. I think that they've got a lovely story behind them. Yeah, absolutely. The Howl series, um, I wrote those with William Hawkes, who's autistic. And at the time, he was only 16. So he's, he's a man now. <laughs> uh, yeah, he was 16 at the time. And um, I knew his mum, I'm friends with his mum. And she said, I really think it would be great to do a story. But actually, I don't know if he's going to you know, open up to you and tell you what you need to, to have in order to write the story. So I met him um, and he didn't want to make eye contact. I mean, partly teenage boy, partly autism. And it was the combination. I didn't want to speak, didn't want to look, didn't want to make eye contact. But I, I sort of asked him questions and took his ideas and about he. So he decided all the characters, their names, their characteristics. And we sort of explored um, life through an, the autistic eye through scenarios that Will himself had gone through, but we put it into a story and then Will illustrated it as well. And what was wonderful is that having said, I don't want to be on a photograph, I won't be filmed, I'm not going on radio, I'm not gonna speak at the launch. He then did all of those things. And he has now spoken in front of a room of 250 people about the book and he's about to start university. So it's just been so amazing, you know, to see the transformation in Will's confidence and what these books have done to him. And he's become a real sort of role model and, you know, advocate for um, other young people who are autistic who maybe thought, well, I don't, where's my place, you know, in, where's my place in the workforce? But he's actually getting paid commissions now to do artwork. So it's been, oh yeah, it was a real joy to work with Will, you know, and just to see him blossom and grow and, and to be part of that was a real privilege. Yeah, That's great. Wonderful. So are all of your books independently published? Yes, they are. Yeah, all and of them, yeah. How, so you said that you started sending off a few things to publishers. So how, how did that happen and how did your decision to go indie come about? 
Yeah, well, it came about because obviously I met a local um, independent publishing um, group who said they would like to do the first book there, Beatles, Liverpool and more. And I think it was my surname that swung it for me, really. <laughs> surname, we'll have to have you on board. You must um, do the same thing as me. Everything I do, I get asked, oh, are you related to Michael Rosen? Do you get the same with your, yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And we are actually. Oh, you so, are? Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah we, we only found out about five years ago, but we are. So, um, yeah, so not that it's made any difference. <laughs> but there you go. Um, so, yes, yeah, so it was... Um, and then they, because they were a small independent publisher, then um, they didn't have an in-house editor. So my friend Sue um, is an editor and she started to be asked more and more by people. So, oh, do you know how I can find an illustrator? Do you know how I can find someone who can do design? Who can do layout? And so she created um, Teamworth UK, which is now Talk Publishing, which basically is assisted publishing for indie authors. So to ensure that your books get to a, a good standard before they are released and I, I I've done all my books that way and I've spoken to other people who've gone down the traditional publishing route and it's for me indie works for me that's that's my choice Pub, traditional publishing works for other people and that's their choice that's wonderful but for me I just like indie author publishing because you still have a lot of control over your book what it looks like and um, it can be more lucrative as well so yeah. that was for me I find the same thing. And I must say, Team Author UK, which I hadn't heard of and, until I saw you talking about it and your involvement. Um, when I get people asking if they know of a sort of self-publishing service or an assisted publishing service, they're the ones I always say because they always seem, they seem like good people. And there's a lot of people out there that are less good. Um, yeah. So it's, it's nice to know of a service where they are, they really care about their authors um, and their everything's open and honest and what you pay for is what you get and all, all of that they just seem like a really great company yeah no they are they're really they're really great and um we've got a fabulous team um I'm sort of I do a bit of work in the children's department for them um yeah they're, they're but they've got great designers great illustrators you know editors and the whole team is sort of held in place by sort of Sue Miller and, and Estelle Ma you know and Estelle's an author in her own right so she knows what a book needs as well yeah so, yeah great it's a great company and um we've supported so many authors it's great i think it's over 100 authors wow that's so exciting and, and you know you can see that the the books that have been produced that that kind of attention and care has gone into it it's it's really nice so yeah, yeah. Uh, although i haven't worked with them i can <laughs> see that there's good stuff going on there um yeah, so you've got such a range of books there uh, where I, I know lots of creatives get asked this but where do you find your inspiration <laughs> yeah yeah well obviously the dragon of valid note that was the tree um but some of them are really old stories I mean astronaut Lammy and pirate Lammy I wrote those years ago before Lammy was even in, in you know in my life uh, when I was still teaching and I needed stories to mm. tell the children because we were doing about the seaside or pirates or uh, space and then later on after I did the Dragon of Alatinoke, I sort of thought, oh, you know, maybe I should look at revisiting those stories and see if they would work for Lammy. So that's what I did. So some of them have been around. So Astronaut Lammy was inspired. I was listening to David Bowie, <laughs> so, as you do. Uh, Pirate Lammy, I needed something for that, for the filming from Roehampton, because I went into what's known as panic mode. And my teachers will appreciate that. You're going to be filmed. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's usually panic. Panic. Oh. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. 
And so I wrote that out of panic because um, we were doing the seaside and we were being filmed. Um, others, it's just, yeah, it really, really depends where, you know, I mean, that's our home. That's the eco book. And that was inspired by a real event at Thornby Beach, which was just up the coast. And my sister-in-law was doing a beach clean and she found a whole picnic wrapped up in a towel and just buried in the sand. And when she told me, I was so cross. I thought, I'll have to write something about that. <laughs> I just, yeah. I know you're, you know, very passionate about. We have that book. Yeah. And you're very passionate about the eco as well, because yeah. one of your books is about, you know, the beach and, and taking care of the creatures who use it. And so I just think, you know, it's, yeah. So it's sometimes real life inspires, um, Sometimes you just wake up with an idea and think, oh, yeah, maybe I'll go with that one. <laughs> Do you There's find no set it rhyme. having sort of the series and the mascots? Because I feel like you have this really recognisable brand. And do you still have your, um, your uh, my brain's gone, your yellow... Um, camper van. Camper van. I couldn't think of yeah, 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 we do. We're going away in it tomorrow. Uh, yes, absolutely. No, it does definitely help having Lammy and Flossie as the face of the brand. The other lambs are over here outshot. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it does help um, because you've got instantly recognisable characters. And when I do school visits, they all come with me and the children can see them and they can steal their props and their various costumes. They've got more clothes than me. Um, yeah, so, and last week I put Buttercup into a nursery. So Buttercup, the van, the van is <laughs> um yeah the van came as well so um and the nursery children got to sort of walk around the outside and see the engine bay which is obviously the back and the headlights and it was just a really lovely experience so um yeah so it is nice to have that sort of branding to fall back on um that is instantly recognizable I bet yeah children really love it yeah yeah no definitely I mean I've been, for many years, even now, you know, I'm still known as the lamb lady in some places, you know, especially if I've been, if I've not been to a networking event for a while and I went in the other day and laid still higher. She said, we met. I said, yes, I'm Jewish. Went, oh, you're the lamb woman, aren't you? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I said, here they are. She went, oh, you've got them with you. How lovely. <laughs> you have them. Um um like um branded skirts as well don't yeah. you do you have one with your lambs on um yes I do in fact Flossie is wearing the um the author she has her own one wow her own one and I've also got one with the lambs on and currently very excitingly I'm having some dungarees made oh wow I love that so much yeah so I'm very so they're they're currently being made with yeah the Lammy's logo on and also with my um author logo on as well so um yeah because it's it's great because then you don't have to worry about what to wear when you do a school visit or an event you kind of like a uniform just pull it on and off you go <laughs> yeah and it gives you um that character I feel like because I tend to quite often wear things with sea creatures on and stuff and I feel like it's not like armor but it's all it's like I'm in that mode you know yeah. um and then I think the children really like it as well and notice the details yeah. of, of what you're wearing what you've brought with you and all those things um, yeah that yeah I mean that's really great I haven't yet developed well the Lily the Limpet Gets Lost which is a book you were talking about is book one in a series that may happen at some point so I think that having that you know, if somebody's already enjoyed one of the books in the series, that then they're going to be interested in the others. I think that that's, that's really helpful as a marketing thing too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, and I think as well, though, 
there are certain themes that children of all ages, you know, and families will always return to. And the beach is always mm. popular. You know, yeah. we've all either, you know, those of us who are lucky enough to live near the sea, obviously grow up with the smell of it in our in our being. But um, those of us, you know, who don't live near the sea, you may have family memories from going on holidays. There's just something very lovely about the beach. So I think, you know, having that as a starting point for any series is, is a winner. <laughs> yeah. And then your new um, book, just tell me a little bit about that because I think the, the it just sounds so lovely. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, Kintsugi. Um, yes, it's a it's a novel uh, for grown-ups. There's no lambs in this one. Um, yes, it's basically it's um, it's sort of a, a family saga, I suppose. But what's interesting is that the two main female characters in are older. They're seventy-two and ninety-two, so that. they're you know considerably older than most books. Um, main characters in them and it's basically a, um, a series of letters that the older one sends to the, the younger one and what unfolds from those uh, are sort of family secrets and skeletons in the closets and um, 72 year old who thinks she has just a, a normal everyday fabulous life is suddenly like oh my gosh you know this is this is my family do I even know who I am in anymore and it's about her kind of um discovering how she's going to move on from that and finding resolution so yeah so it's um yeah it's a really totally different process writing for you know that kind of um genre rather than for children a lot longer (laughs) for starters (laughs) yeah because for adults have you um only previously written short stories is that right yeah so yeah that's right how did that look different for you yeah I had to I had to tell myself that every chapter was a short story so that it didn't overwhelm me so you know because you're going from sort of 500 words to sort of you know 60 70,000 words it's a huge difference so yeah so I had to just sort of break down every chapter into sort of a short story and do it that way um although actually this this story did was originally a contender for the collection of short stories but it was four chapters long whereas all the others are standalone very short pieces and um one of my beta readers said, oh, no, that one, don't put it in. That's got to be a novel. And I was like, oh, OK. <laughs> OK. So, yeah, that's how that one came about, really. But no, it was a different it was a different process. I did a lot more planning this one, a lot more mind mapping for this one. The, the, the picture books, I do a little bit of planning and mind mapping, but a lot and I just let the, the words flow and then tidy up and move things around. Whereas this took a lot more planning. Yeah. Yeah. And was the inspiration behind it the art of Kintsugi itself or did, how did those two things come? And, and can you explain what that is as well? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So for those who don't know, Kintsugi is a Japanese art form. So if you dropped a cup on the floor, instead of throwing it away, you would repair it. But you wouldn't just use ordinary glue. You'd use gold or silver or platinum. So that the cracks become enhanced and always become part of the beauty of the whole so the repairs aren't seen as something ugly or awful they're seen as something beautiful that's actually enhanced the the um the, the object so um yeah so that's and it I don't know whether I didn't start with the idea that wasn't that wasn't in that wasn't the starting point for the story that just came about through the story and when it happened I was like oh okay that's really interesting and one of my writing support groups said there's your title that's your title <laughs> right there and I was like oh yeah you're right it is and it's really interesting because people go, oh, that's an intriguing title. What does it mean at all? You'll have to read the book because it makes complete sense when you do. So um, it's quite a good marketing ploy. 
<laughs> yeah, it is. And you have, um, so the cover um, is, mm. has got the, um, is it a teapot, if I remember rightly? Yes, it's a teapot. And you yeah, it's a teapot. Did you have the teapot made or you came across the teapot or? Well, yeah, I mean, basically it's based on a, my parents had a Royal Dalton, my dad still got it. And so when I needed the teapot, I knew that that's the thing I was going to do. But actually, um, when I did the book launch, my lovely friend Bob Stone at Right Blend Bookshop, who is fabulous, an independent bookshop, he actually just made me a little teapot um, and then drew the cracks on with a gold Sharpie. But it just looked really effective. So, um, yeah. And then that was that. So, yeah, it was just um, just how it, how it worked out. <laughs> I love that so much. So then as well as your books you do we touched on it at the beginning but you do so so many things um I don't know where to start where would you like to start <laughs> um oh gosh yeah um well I'll tell you what we'll start with pick up your pen because you were yeah. one of our speakers which was wonderful so it's a lovely not a big group just a small group of people who pay a sort of a membership fee each month and we do um we have writing exercises we have let's write sessions where people have to come along and state what they're going to get written in that time and then do it, which is really great because you can't then come back after an hour and a half and say, oh, yeah, I just scroll through my Facebook because that just sounds really lame. You've got to come back and say, yeah, I was actually really productive and I got this done. So that's brilliant. We have our guest speakers of which you were one. And that was that's really great because we've had such a range of speakers talking about various elements of writing or marketing or um, you know something to do with that that field. And it's been a really, I, you know, you take even if it's subject you know a little bit about you'll always take something new away with you which is great um yes that's been really really good really successful and um sometimes we even have face-to-face sort of (laughs) meetups as well and I actually ran um a workshop in the woods in the whirly gig woods uh where most of most of the people who came were pick up your pen members on then some other people as well and we just sat in the woods and we wrote it was lovely Yeah, that sounds amazing. And I think that accountability is really helpful, especially for writers, because it is so easy to be distracted by the laptop you're working on and suddenly you've lost hours. So I think these kind of groups really, really help and you can kind of encourage each other and support each other. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I think that's another thing that's really lovely is people can then put their writing into the group and get nice constructive feedback, but in a safe space. Yeah. And I think that's really important because, as, as you well know, um, every time you share a bit of your writing, you're sharing a bit of you. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's always a bit like, oh, what will people think and will they like it? Whereas if you can do it in a, in a supportive group that and, and see the because the, uh, we never say it's criticism, it's, it's always friendly feedback. You know, that's the idea. You know, is that, you know, sometimes you just need another pair of eyes on your writing to say, that's great, but that bit doesn't quite make sense. You might need to go back and do that. Yeah, sometimes you just can't see it yourself, can you? You need somebody else, and that's the thing that's been bothering me. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes that's the whole thing that makes suddenly makes the whole plot just work, and you're like, oh, (laughs) now it's working. (laughs) So, um, so you you organise those. Um, and then, so what other bits are you involved in? You, <laughs> there's so yeah, much. yes. I'm, well, obviously, the Liverpool Literacy Cycle. That's um, that's a, going on. That's ongoing. It started with the year of reading. Last year was the year of writing, and this year is is the year of spoken word. 
And uh, so there's lots. In fact, after this, this afternoon, we're, go we're doing a walkie-talkie event. So we're going to be walking and talking about where we envisage a year of uh, reading will start again in January, which, you know, is suddenly going to be here before we know it, because here we are in July and who was expecting that? <laughs> Liverpool seems, I mean, I've not been, I feel like I should, but it seems like such a creative place to yeah. be. Um, and you seem to be really involved in lots of those initiatives as well. Yeah, no, it is. It's a really creative city. I think um, because it's a port, so there's always been lots of movements of people and bringing in cultures and languages and inspiration. And I think, you know, and also there's a, there's a big history around seafaring towns with, you know, shanties and, and singing and and that kind of thing so yeah and spoken word and being passionate about things that matter to you so yeah no it is a very creative city and actually this weekend as well we've got the opening of Shakespeare North which is in Prescott yes. which is it's nosy but it's right by Liverpool it's, you know it's the, the wider city region but that's opening this weekend as well so it's this yeah it's just always and the Everyman the Everyman Theatre is based here where so many great actors you know have sort of it, they're cut their teeth as it were so it is a very creative city and it's um it's wonderful to be involved in you know in some of just some of the initiatives there's so much so many things going on across the city. I couldn't possibly be involved in them all because I'd just never be in. <laughs> well you were also involved over the pandemic in the EYFS which was just so lovely um so I did a couple of of bits mm. for that but it you had authors doing sort of takeover days and then you had activities as well um to keep the little ones just give them something to do because it was such a a strange time obviously yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I thought that was an amazing thing to, as well to be involved in yeah no it was it was great um and I, yeah I did that sort of for about a year and a half I was creating content I was one of the creative content assistants on that project and it was it was a really great thing and the, the videos are still up there so I keep periodically posting them out there because there's always going to be days in the summer holidays where it's raining or you just can't face going out again so you know there's something to do but yeah and it was great to involve you know people like yourselves as well just get that rich um you know the rich wideness of how many authors every author brings something different to the activities and to the the things that they do so it was really lovely for the children to experience a range of people delivering activities that they could do at home in, in, a, in a strange time as you said yeah and I, if anybody listening to this has little ones it's such a great source to go on there and just have a little peruse there'll be something in there that you're yeah. doing it's yeah definitely. such a wealth of, yeah. of resources now it's amazing and what about your um your book den building that oh yes well? yeah 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 well, not a day without another mascot so for those of you on the podcast I'm holding up our booksy mascot he's like a blue built bug and um yes yeah, so basically we we got funding to create some literacy boxes which we took out on a pilot last summer and then somebody from one of the local councils saw it and said oh could you possibly do some workshop delivery for the last week of the summer holidays and so we had two weeks to pull together resources <laughs> equipment workshops and just get out on the road and do it and we're doing uh, more workshops this summer so they're den building workshops sort of for four to 14 year olds they include encourage team building problem solving creativity role play all of those kind of communication all of those and it, it's great really because it's um what's really lovely about it is often when we start the session the grown-ups around the peripheries with their phones and then by the end of it a lot of them have put the phones down they've come forward and they're 
building the dens with their children as well, which is just lovely because it means everybody is, is getting involved. And, and that's that's really important to us, that whole kind of um, communication and, and speaking and listening and, and all of that. And what's really lovely is we're now working on another literacy box called The Boat of Hope, which is all tied in with children's mental health. So the contents of that box are very firmly geared towards improving children's mental health. And it's tied into the um, Samaritan campaign, Boat of Hope Challenge, where Bernie Hollywood, who's a local, a local guy, uh, he's solo rowing across the Atlantic. Oh, wow. I know. It's going to be 90 days at sea, although he's confident he's going to do it in less. And he's going to yeah, set off in December and, and row across the Atlantic uh, to raise money and awareness for, for mental health. So yes, we're doing the box to go to accompany that. So that's um, really exciting and a real privilege to be involved in that as well. So yeah. It's so amazing <laughs> that this writing um, experience has then led to so many amazing things. And you seem so involved in, um, you know, literacy and just sort of promoting all of those lovely things in your area. It's really exciting. Um, what have you got coming up? Oh gosh, yes. What have I got coming up? Well, um, just yesterday, actually, I was having a, a meeting with um, Stella Noel from Talk, publishing about my next book. And that is going to be a Christmas collection of Lammy stories. So Lammy and Flossie's Christmas collection. So I'm looking forward to that. Again, it seems very weird when we're in the middle of a heatwave to be mentioning Christmas, but never mind. <laughs> it is what it is. So, yeah, so I'm working on that. So that's really exciting. And then other than that, we've just we're head down, putting all the creative content into the builder books. We've got to create activity books and we've got to create a book. So we've, we've we wrote the first draft of the story last week. So we're letting that bed in. I'm going to go and look at it again and redraft and all of that. So with lots and lots of, of work sort of tied in with that. And then on top of that, I'm still sort of um, taking bookings from schools for author visits and storytelling for the next term. So there's always, it's never, people say to me, what does your day look like? I'm like, well, yeah, it, just, it depends really from week to week. No two days are ever the same. You know, I could have something like this on, or I could be in school, or I could be having a total admin day doing the accounts, which is not the most exciting bit of the job, but has to be done. So I just never have two days the same, really. It's just, you know, everything is so fluid. Um, yeah, so that that's kind of what, what I'm working on. It's, going to be the book the photo hope project and sort of just sustaining the author visits and the, the storytelling as well. well and you were so helpful to me in when I started out with doing author visits because um primary schools are, are a different beast to secondary schools and um just having sort of somebody else to guide me through the process a little bit in approaching schools and um how to just how to work with primary schools, I guess, because although I, I had an idea, um, it definitely was really, really helpful to see um, how you approach them, the information you send. So, yeah, yeah. I really appreciate oh, I'm, glad, I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad you found it used. I guess because I've been on the inside. So I know how busy teachers are. And if anything, you know, if you the, the key is always organisation, 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 organisation. If you can make the teacher's life as easy as possible, that's that's it really so yeah so I'm glad you found it useful so it's um yeah it's, it's just it, and I love working in primary schools it's brilliant I really enjoy it um and funny enough when I first started doing my storytelling I was going to predominantly just focus on early years in key stage one because that's where I had always taught and that's where my comfort was I'd never taught sort of look up into year six 
And the very first school I went into said, oh, and you'll do key stage two, right? Year six reunited. Of course. And then I got off the phone and I was like, ah, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Actually, what I've learned is that the year six children, the year five children, they really appreciate the storytelling. They don't get that kind of stuff very much anymore. And so they are normally completely just wrapped with it. They just sit there and they're just glued, you know, and they're just totally in the moment because they don't often get those those opportunities anymore. So, yeah, so that was, a, that was a learning curve for me to not assume that children are too old. And now I'm just like storytelling is for anybody, for any age, you know, whether you're a baby in arm or, or 99, you know, it's for you. So um, that was, um, so I've learned some really interesting things along the way. So, yeah. <laughs> I think I'm the other way around. I, I worry with the early years that I'm not so good at pitching the the activities that I plan to do and but actually I found that it's completely fine especially I have young children so I know but but it's not my comfort zone I guess but once I've done it a couple of times and I think as a teacher you have a natural talent of rolling with whatever happens as well <laughs> um, and it's just it's it's such a privilege to go into schools and um, I love sort of creating stories with young people as well and seeing them get excited about their ideas and develop their own creativity. It's, it's wonderful. Um, and I'm really glad that, that I made the decision to go into schools, um, into primary schools, and also sort of with your help that it's been something that's worked really, really well. Do you yeah. go to secondary schools at all? I haven't, despite that being my age range, I haven't gone into any secondaries yet. No, it's interesting, isn't it? No, I've been approached by a couple of secondary schools, but we've never actually pinned down down um, any dates with it. And yeah, I, I, I never have. Um, I mean, I guess, I mean, to be honest, if you're just going, if they want people to just go in and talk to the pupils about life as an author, because sometimes they want people from different backgrounds to go in and talk about job, career opportunities and things like that then the author visits are, you know, can be adapted from three years old up to whatever age, really, because it's just, because I've, I've given author talks for like WI and things like that. So it's, it's you know, you've got adults at the other end. I've never actually gone in into secondary as yet. As I said, I have been approached by a couple. So that might be something that happens. So, um, although I'm probably shorter than most of the people in the school. Yeah, me too, me too. <laughs> um but yeah it's oh, I, I do I love it I love going into primaries so. yeah and oh, it's brilliant mad questions and the strange things that happen oh yeah absolutely and they like you and yeah, they, I know they say like oh my daddy's got spotty socks and you're like oh, great that's really lovely Lammy hasn't got his on today right let's see here <laughs> it's the best yeah but it is great I mean what was lovely I was in a school the other week and at the end the teacher came over and because I'd, I'd done her class first then another class and the first teacher came over and she said um oh she said, I just want to say thank you so much because one of the little boys who doesn't really engage with writing is now writing his own book and I was like oh so that's why we do it <laughs> I had that on a recent one as well where um there was a little group of lads who came over and showed me their book which at that point was a, a front cover and I think they'd written a couple of lines and they told me all about it and everything that was going to happen um, and then the teacher emailed me and said they have spent all day working on this book and there and yeah oh. it's so nice to think that sort of you've inspired them to work on something yeah. like that it's yeah it's yeah absolutely I mean, I'm, a, I'm a huge advocate for authors visits going into school because I think it's really important that children see normal people not celebrities just normal regular people 
going in and talking about being writers because then it's something the children feel they can aspire to, whether writing, illustrating, editing, whatever. I just think it's it's really important for them to see that. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. And that's part of the idea behind this podcast as well, is that the, the creative industries are not like other other industries. It's not like you can just apply for a job often to become a artist or a you know um and so going into schools and discussing how how that looks because it's different for everybody as well but how, how you can get into that and how you can work creatively and then you know turn that into your career or your hobby or whatever you want to do with that I, I think um it's really helpful to have those conversations and share ideas with each other if yeah. you sort of were meeting somebody starting up a creative business whether it was a new writer or an illustrator or what would be your top tips how what would you want to say to them oh gosh yes um believe in yourself you know be you know don't and don't give up because it is it is hard work but you know it's not something I've ever regretted I don't regret at all leaving teaching and going down this path I think the other thing as well is establish a brand I think that's really important because if you've established something that's recognizable um get a logo made those you don't have to go to the extreme of me where I have skirts and and, and teddies with their own matching clothes you know you don't have to go to that extreme but I do think some kind of yeah I do think some kind of branding is really important and get on social media as quickly as you can with those brands and the other thing I would say is really important especially if you're writing if you're doing anything creative for children Keep your social media just for that. Don't be diverted into sort of politics and, and things like that. Just keep it as is. If you're writing political books, that's different because mm-hmm. you're kind of going to have to go down that road. But I think just so my my social media posts are always just lovely, positive kind of, you know, fluffy lamb pieces. So I think, yeah, so definitely work on your branding. And also, I think the other really important thing to do is to get networking and when I first set up my business and said, so you must come networking. I was just out of, you know, working in a school and I was just like, excuse me, what? I don't, I, I, I don't know what you mean. And they said, well, basically you have to go along and do small talk with people. And I was like, you've got to do what? <laughs> oh, right. Okay, great. But actually it's been really, really beneficial for me. Um, and I would say you've got to find the right networking um, system for you. Some people go to quite formal ones. Some people it's more relaxed. I'm preferred more relaxed ones, <laughs> not surprisingly. Um, but that's great. because you And it's not always about, you might not meet somebody and think they'll be great for your business, but six months down the line, they may just go, do you know what? My daughter's school needs an author. I'll book you in. So, it, you know, it's all about that. So I definitely think believe in yourself, get some kind of branding sorted and go networking are really, really important. I, agree more. I, uh, I find... It's so strange sometimes that you'll do something where you think, oh, well, this could be useful for my business. You know, you go to a local event or something and you walk away and go, oh, I don't know. And then exactly as you say, six months later, you're invited to do something or because mm-hmm. it's just if if your name pops into somebody's head when and people talk as well and say, oh, I know this person who. So these yeah. weird opportunities come up and it's uh, I've certainly had a couple of those this year which have come from really random things. So, yeah. I definitely agree. Do you know, I struggle with the social media thing sometimes because, because I've written children's books and adults books. And I wonder, occasionally I think, oh, maybe I should set up two separate accounts. 
But then from the fact that I have, I have a home account that I post on about once a fortnight. And I think if I have to, and, and trying to make something that kind of works. So I think really for mine, for the children's books, it's aimed at the parents, but I still, as you say, I keep it light. I don't, although I will occasionally post about things I'm interested in, I generally don't swear. I won't talk about anything that I would think if somebody, if a young person saw it could be, you know, so I do keep it at a certain threshold for me, but it is something I think, oh, I know there's people who have multiple author brands. I just don't think I personally can manage that. (laughs) No, 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 I'm the same. And I mean, because somebody said, oh, you know, you need to have, um, I mean, we've got a Facebook page for Booksy as well. And Twitter said, oh, you need an Instagram. And we were both like, oh, no. no." (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm I'm on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And and everyone's like, oh, you need to get on TikTok because it's BookTok. And I'm just like, oh, no, I just can't. I can't. I haven't got the bandwidth. I haven't got you know the time to devote to yet another platform you know because it's, it's draining it is a full-time job you're right and I I think if, if I were you I just I mean I, my Jude Lennon author page is just for my books whether they're Lammy books or Kintsugi but Lammy has his own page for the storytelling so obviously I post a lot of his books on there as well but yeah I just I just you've got you've got to make it manageable as well you have yeah, to make it manageable I just always keep an awareness in the back of my mind that if someone's looking at my page because they want to book me to speak to four-year-olds, <laughs> that yeah. I have to sort of always yes. bear in mind what, what I'm yeah. saying and the kind of person I'm portraying myself as. Yeah, definitely. It is really, really difficult. And TikTok, I mean, I know that there's huge engagement there. People who are, are getting involved are saying they're getting so many views of the content they're making mm-hmm. a lot of conversions but I'm exactly like you I'm just like oh another thing I know I know I know it kind of fills me with with dread I mean I think because primarily if I didn't have the business I would not be on Instagram or Twitter mm-hmm. I'd probably just have Facebook you know um but I, I am and it, it is a fabulous tool don't get me wrong it's a brilliant tool but yeah yeah I think you've got to go where your energy feels right and you know, I just, oh yeah, I just, the, the thought of having to do another thing, yeah. I mean, because I, I don't know about you, but I schedule a lot of, well, I schedule the majority of my posts on social media, which is, is just been a lot, it's a pain, sometimes you have to take a day out and schedule running, but it actually makes a difference, because then, you know, if we're away or something's come up, I'm still posting, and I don't have to be, and I do in the moment ones as well, but the thought of having to do yet another thing, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I do that more than I used to. I used to just do everything spare of the moment, but I do tend to schedule a little bit yeah. more. And I think that's come from, I do a little bit of freelance social media work. And so because I schedule right. things for them, I was like, yeah. I'm not doing this for myself. So yeah, yeah do more. And as you say, then you can sort of line everything up. Sometimes a post mm. comes up, I see it as I'm scrolling. I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've forgotten that. Yeah. Yeah, no, so, definitely. Where can people find you then? Where's best to see what you do? Yeah, um, well, I do have a website. Um, so littlelandpublishing.co.uk. Uh, but I'm that's obviously just sort of like a landing page really for all my services. But I'm on Facebook, uh, Jude Lennon Author and Little Lamb Tales. Um, I'm on Twitter and Instagram. They're both Jude Lennon Books and also the Little Lamb Tales as well. But yeah, they're the, they're the best places to find me. Um, if you want to have a bit of a chat, then probably Facebook because Twitter you've only got a limited number of characters, and I, you know, 
like most writers trying to keep it to a limited number of characters can be a challenge <laughs> oh well I hope that people go and take a look at everything you do because there's just so much going on there and you've got such a variety of books as well that um I think will will uh be really exciting for thank you so much so thank, thank you. you for your time today thanks so much for having me it's been really lovely to speak to you <laughs> I hope you enjoyed hearing from Jude. Do go and check her out. Her links are in the description. She shares her writing, but also lots of generally cheerful posts about what she's getting up to. Do take a look. Well, now it's time for the things I found inspiring segment. This month, I really wanted to talk about live music. I know that last month I talked about some of the recorded music I like listening to, but... I really wanted to talk about live music this month. I took my daughter, who's nine, nine and a half, to her first concert this month. We went to see Alanis Morissette at the O2, so definitely a good first concert. The support act was Beth Orton, who I also really love. I enjoyed the music so much, but even better was watching my daughter take it all in. The crowd, the lights, the exceptional music. She absolutely loved it and I bought her a poster for her new bedroom. It was so great to see her being inspired while also feeling that emotion myself. Alanis's voice is just out of this world. So, oh, we, we loved it so much. I've also been singing more with my band as live music picks up post pandemic. And I'm just enjoying the excitement of live music at the moment. It definitely makes me feel creative generally. So get out there, see some music, whatever your musical taste. It's definitely such a different experience to listening to recorded music. And I'm sure it will leave you feeling more creative. Whether it's a big gig or a local performance, I just think that live music really feeds into your creative energy. And of course, it supports the creative industries. Well, that's everything for this month. Please do follow or subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already and tell your friends. You can also follow me on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube and Twitter as Emma Rosenbooks. Have a creative month. Take care.